from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Coalfield and Company. Brought around behind the goal and up to the high slot now. McCarr skating all over the place with speed. Down to the right goal line. Centering past Taves blocks. Side of the net. Banging away. Loose in front. Kicked away. A shot attempt. Kicked aside. Thompson shoving it left. Another try. Kick save. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Tuesday, Cofield and Company. Adam Hillis here as the company. Ari's helping out. Finley Toyota Studios. Busy show today. We'll get to uh, all the Raider stuff. Unbelievable game on New Year's Day. And now we got a whole new storyline with Stiddy. And then uh, the car, Camp Car, released their statement uh, via David on NFL Network. That was hilarious. And it's going to say confusing, but it's not really confusing. It's par for the course. And we'll get to a little UNLV basketball later on. So a lot coming up. But uh, obviously today... People kind of still trying to wrap their heads around what they saw last night. Uh, it was jarring. Monday night football, you're watching the game, and one of the players goes down, collapses. And as it turns out, DeMar Hamlin looks like he had a heart attack on the field. Uh, we don't know all the reasons. The latest update is from like three hours ago. Adam, what are we hearing on DeMar Hamlin, the uh, Bills player who went down last night? Yeah, it's it's so hard to to talk about this, and there's so many aspects and layers to this, obviously, that we'll get into throughout the show, but the the thing that I think is both good and bad right now is that there's not a whole lot of speculation. There's not a lot of people throwing things out there. There is a patience to wait for legitimate information, and they're not really sharing a lot of information. I know a lot of people have looked at that as, hey, this is not good. Nothing's coming out. That's not good. That's not necessarily the case. I was listening to a couple of doctors do a podcast this morning, uh, or a cardiologist, uh, who were saying – Look, essentially what most likely happened, and these are obviously not people that are treating him, what most likely happened is that they put his body into a state for 24 hours to just kind of make sure everything is, is working, slow everything down, let his brain start to you know get oxygen again, and then after 24 hours, that's when you would try to wake the person up and start to figure out what the brain function level is, all those things. So the fact that there's not news is not necessarily the worst thing in the world. It's not great. But also, as much as we want to know, and I understand people want to know, I want to know. I'm every every five minutes checking and see if there's a new update, see if there's something. I'm, I've got, of course, a lot of people in Buffalo. I have a lot of people on the beat that cover the bills. I'm, I'm trying to text them and say, hey, what have you heard? What do you know? But I also understand that it's not our business. I mean, you know, if you know what I mean, like it's not, it's the family's business, even though we're interested and fascinated and want to know. It's 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 the family that really needs to know and needs to be updated, and and we don't have to have that information, even though we want it more than anything right now. We want to hear good news, but um, I I just I don't think you know this morning I heard well if we're not hearing anything that's not good, not necessarily <laughs> the case. Yeah. So look, I, I I think everybody wants to have an, a good update soon, but um, if we if we're wait and we're patient, we might. We might get good news tonight. That's that's what we're hoping for. The good side of people's come out, at least in terms of contributions to uh, Hamlin's charity. That's a nice story. Yeah, his toy drive, which he, he started a couple years ago when he was still in college, by the way, which I think is kind of overlooked on this. This is not somebody who, you know, got well. First of all, he's not. he doesn't have a massive contract. He's not a wealthy person right now. But um, it's not somebody who made it into the NFL and then decided to give back. Like He was already in college. He was still in college when he started doing this. Started a toy drive, and I know a lot of a lot has been made that 
his goal when he was in college, the first year he started this, was to make $2,500, uh, which is obviously a very modest goal, but he's a college kid. He's, yeah. he's just probably asking other college kids for, for money for this. And um, last night was already, you know, as of like 6 in the morning, it was already on $3 million. I can't even imagine what it's at now um, of people, you know, pouring into donations, which I, you know, if you're looking for, obviously that is a silver lining on its own of, hey, look, Whatever outcome happens here, which Rob is hoping for a good one, at least this happened. But um, I, I heard you know somebody mentioning, imagine the you know the the joy when he wakes up, whatever that is tonight or in the morning or whenever, and you know finds out that his charity has raised millions and millions of dollars to help something that is so passionate uh, for him personally is you know toys and and. Uh, gifts for for kids and underprivileged kids in his in his area. So, um, if there's anything, obviously that you want to take out a positive on this, that's certainly one of them. Anyone looking for answers on the Bills and Bengals game? How dare you? No, you can you can ask questions. Sure. We can still operate moving forward. Also, express shock, dismay, depression, hope for this football player. Um, Tom Pelissaro, one of the NFL insiders today, said that, uh, you know, between the teams, NFLPA, uh, NFLPA leadership, and uh, the commish, uh, both clubs have been told the game will not be rescheduled later this week. I'm not going to say that's good or bad. I, I, don't, I don't know, but that decision has been made, and that's a decision that will have to be revisited after this week. I don't even know if we're playing games this week. The NFL sort of shut down... To a certain extent today, but I don't have all the situations around the league. Teams were practicing, but they just didn't want to speak, which I know the Raiders canceled their availability to the media. Um, I, I actually think this is a this is a very smart move. There may have been some silly moves last night, uh, but this is a very smart move. Um, present a united front of silence, because if you allow people to speak, there could be some things said that you know aren't the smartest. Sure. So. Do you know, did, did were there teams that spoke to the media after their I, practice? I know, I know Mike Tomlin did. Um, I, I saw that with Mike Tomlin. Because uh, he he has, a, I guess, a longstanding relationship uh, he did. with, he said with he, this young man. He's known him since he was like 12. Yeah, so uh, I mean, it would make sense. I'm sure he's, I'm sure the organization said, you don't have to do this. Right, it's probably and, his call. And he said, I'm doing this. And I'm sure the NFL, if they called, I'm sure Mike Tomlin would say, my call. F off. Don't, yeah, don't, like, we know Mike <laughs> yes. Tomlin. You know, yeah. he, he felt it was important to speak. But across the league, what did we say? I mean, we're we're seeing we're seeing a lot of people that are not talking and, and don't right. have to talk. I mean, I think that's uh, that's true. But I, I, you know, even as somebody whose job is to get information from players, and I've 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 reached out and kind of communicated with a couple of guys, just you know, making sure they're they're cool. And obviously, there's some connections with Raiders players to, um, you know, to to Bills players and to, um, you know, people around the situation for sure. So. You know, just trying to make sure everybody's cool. I, I know, you know, communicating with even some other players around the league and just saying, like, hey, how is everybody handling this? How is everybody doing? And not even for stories or anything like that. Just, like, it's, it's humans. And, you know, it was something that it, it affects, I think, everybody watching, everybody that's a fan, everybody that's around it, um, certainly the players, the coaches, the staffers, people that are around there every day. I mean, it's it's not about, it's not about anybody but the family, but it does affect everyone. And, you know, we're – you know, we are tasked with being around NFL players every day, and you you don't forget, you know, 
this out this aspect is out there, the danger, but it's it's very humanizing and very just you know surreal to know that you know this can happen and the guys that you know you're around all the time are facing this reality. It's a good wake up call for a lot of people last night. Yeah. Um Social media is where a lot of this unfolded, and I I don't know what percentage of our audience was on social media last night. I think it's probably a lot smaller than we believe, just because that's what you and I do. It's part of the job. Uh, but America reacted last night. I think it showed a lot about you know what our country has gone through, where we are right now, how we communicate, how we deal with grief. We'll hit all of that in just a couple of minutes. We'll talk mental health as well. Like Adam just said, uh, you know, in a lot of cases. They kind of shut down the NFL today and closed ranks for players to deal with what they saw because, hey, reality is that could happen on any football field, on any practice field, any given day you go out there. And I think for a lot of people last night, while we you know, we hear, whether it's media or fans, talk about players as if they're some cartoon character or TV character. Like, this is real freaking life. The, the, the collisions on the field can be life-threatening. Every time they go down, it is incredible when you're down on the field or you know right around a game. And I think people kind of lost sight of that. I think there was a lot of guilt last night. Uh, a lot of people expressing guilt. They weren't saying it, but when I was reading the messages, I'm like, wow, this person kind of feels bad about maybe the way they watch football or the way they've spoken about football players. So that's all coming up. Three six four eleven hundred. Let's do a giveaway right now. VGK and the Oilers are going at it coming up on Saturday the 14th. You can grab your tickets at AXS.com. Knight's nice enough to uh, give us a pair of tickets. Ari's got them. That's a 7 o'clock start. AXS.com is where you get the tickets, but you can get a pair right now from Cofield and Company and ESPN Las Vegas. Knights against Edmonton on January 14th. That's a Saturday, 3-6-4-1100. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ. Or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Matt Collins goes in motion left to right across the line. Stidham, seven-step drop. Eyeing far side for Devontae Adams. It's a duck, and it's picked off by the Niners. Gibson racing down the far sideline with blockers at the 20, the 15, and it's Jared Stidham to knock him out of bounds at the five-yard line. Now. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Boy, Stiddy, we got to get to Jared Stidham. I did not expect that. That's a story now. We'll be hitting on Jared Stidham. Boy, for Raiders fans out there, I understand you're unhappy with the way the season has gone. You have been treated to a season, though. <laughs> How many crazy freaking games, man. Watch it. I know you were at the stadium watching that game on TV. It was just high drama. So that's coming up in a couple of minutes. We'll hit on uh, DeMar Hamlin. The Buffalo Bills player who went down last night during Monday Night Football uh, shocked a lot of people around the country. Uh, social media was just a fascinating study in how people react to a tragic events and how they express their grief. And we'll get to uh, Skip Bayless towards the end of the show. I don't know. Maybe we'll move it up. But a lot to get into. You were just talking about you know, the NFL kind of shutting down today, closing ranks, and you know, hopefully players who were dealing with grief uh, from both the Bills and the Bengals, because that was that's a horrific scene. You know, you, you're watching a guy have to get revived and brought back to life, and uh, you know, guys are crying. It's that's terrible. You know, you know, no one wants to to go through that and and see that. And you hope that there is you know mental health outlets available for every player around the league who needs it. 
I think you and I have a little different perspective on stuff like this because of all the football we've covered. And I'm not going to minimize it. It's that's terrible what happened. Um, but it can be even more jarring for people who've never been through something like that. And this isn't a pat on the back. Everyone's got different life experiences. And um, I know from, from being around football a little more recently and down on the field and seeing the, the speed of the collisions and the horrific injuries that happen, that I have an appreciation for what these guys are doing for us, for our entertainment. And I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, I think there were a lot of people up on social media last night who felt a little bit guilty thinking about the way they react to football and the stuff they say, which is really infantile and childish. And by the way, that includes former players. I think there were a lot of former players last night who were like, oh boy, I have been really shredding some of my brothers on the field. I mean, we're we're only like 10, 15 days removed from, uh, and shorter than that, calling Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Day cowards on social media. Not me, but that's what I was reading. I'm like, former players are talking like this about coaches or just, just annihilating Russell Wilson because he's not playing good football. Like, what are you, what are you doing? But our experience is with this. You were saying during high school uh, when you played football, and I guess a, st- a story reemerged that you actually wrote about something horrific that you witnessed. Yeah, I, I was, in addition to playing football, I was, you know, writing for the school newspaper in high school, and um, there was a, a big discussion going on this morning about uh, my sophomore year at Silverado, first year the school's open. Uh, one of the players on our team suffered a, a traumatic brain injury during a game uh, right near me, and it was awful and and it it's it's one of those things you don't even like to think about or talk about because you just he could have died he was in a coma for two months hmm. after after that game and um there was a, a lot of facebook discussion going on around some between some of my former teammates today uh on facebook and somebody shared the story that i i had written you wrote for the student newspaper a fellow student about one of your teammates going down that seems like that's kind of heavy when you're 16 or 17. Yeah, but the story also sucked. It was a, a terrible I like writing. that you look, you saw it and you were like, wow, I'm proud for being able to write that at that well, age. But then you looked at it and you're like, holy crap. This I'll also, uh, I, I had shared it with some of my, uh, some of my coworkers this morning oh, no. too, just to like, hey, look, somebody posted this. Like I, huh. you know, it's a, a really difficult memory, but it's, it's what I was thinking about last night. And for just for full disclosure, like I had to write some stuff last night on this and, and I, I was physically ill right it. I mean it was it was going having gone you know experienced that and then also like I was kind of referring to earlier like the you're around these guys every day they're human mm-hmm. like and and you understand that they're humans and you you know go through it a little bit but you don't fully grasp what could happen to them each and every Sunday even though it it's very rare but it's possible and it was driven home against I was I was Physically ill, but either way, I, I shared with my some of my colleagues this morning. I was like, "Yeah, this is part of what I was referring to last night. Like, it's just kind of tough going through, you know, some of the stuff again mentally." And one of my coworkers uh, said something, and I, I was like, "Well, the the writing in the story is not very good." And the response was, "I didn't want to say it, but yeah, it's not. Oh wow, it's not, it's not good. It's not good at and, all." Uh, like, you had no idea. Did you know what was happening when you witnessed this on the field? No, it was, it was kind of delayed. So it was. It happened on the field, and it not it wasn't like last night where it was immediate. He came off the field, said he was dizzy, kind of stepped to the side, and then collapsed when 
um, when it was Ben. I should, I'll I'll say his name was Ben Williams. He was um, great player, great kid, uh, and he's still. I haven't talked to him in a while. A lot of people are trying to track him down today to try to check in on him. But um, yeah, it was it was a very delayed thing. And and some somebody from uh, we were playing basic at the time, and one of the players from basic actually jumped in our Facebook conversation this morning and said, you know, it was wild because we just kept playing the game because it, because it happened off to the side mm-hmm. on the sideline. It wasn't like the game had to stop. The game kept going, and. He said, once the game stopped, we're like, what's happening? And then the ambulance came on the field, and everybody was so confused. And then we finished the game. And then they he said that they they weren't told until the next day at practice what had happened. So it was just, you know, it, it's it's really tough. Again, I'm not I'm not comparing it necessarily, but I mean, it, it's something I saw on the field. It went through it, and and you know, it wasn't my experience, but it was my teammates' experience and our experience as a, as a team. So um, it was tough. And it was brutal to go through. It was brutal to watch again yesterday, especially like, you know, like I said, being around NFL players every day where you don't, you know that they're human, you talk to them, you humanize them, but you also don't fully compartmentalize what could happen every Sunday. And it's, it's tough. It's tough to, it's tough to watch. It's tough to go through. Well, certainly shows the importance of having proper medical personnel. Yeah, at these events because they probably saved his life on the field. Hopefully, he gets through this at 100. percent Again, we have no update. We don't know. Last update probably three and a half hours ago. You know, it also brings to mind even uh, a sport that you don't consider as physical. You remember the the big to do about the uh, women's basketball tournament, college women's basketball tournament up on the strip. You know, playing in a ballroom, laying down the floor, and you know someone gets severely injured, and you. You can't get medical personnel there. They, yeah. they just they weren't organized beforehand. That can be tragic. So, you know, good on whoever sets that up. The NFL, the Bengals, the stadium, the the you know the local community it's, there in Cincinnati. So they it, they probably they probably saved his life, and hopefully they got to him early enough where there's no permanent damage. It's all of them, and I, I know we can we can talk extensively about it because it's something I'm I've been working on all day today. But like all the all the stadiums have plans, and I, I was told. By a, you know, a, an emergency room doctor, that you don't want you don't want to say this. This is not, you know, something that you want out there necessarily. But if something like this were to happen anywhere, a stadium is best equipped more more equipped than anywhere else that could happen, including emergency room. You know what's interesting? Uh, doctor David Chow, who's a former NFL doctor, said that up on Twitter last night, and people got all mad at him. Yeah, well, like he said this is this is one of the best places for this to happen, but people like could not deal with the emotion of the moment and some you know honest analysis minutes after it happened. They're like, "Time to sit it out, Doc." Why? No, it's it's we're, we're, we're we we just saw what we just saw. We can discuss what happened in real life terms. You certainly you you want to make sure. I mean, you can't prevent this ever happening again, but you may, you want to make sure you prevent it happening. To a more serious degree, at lower levels of football, well, I'll, I'll, right I'll, at college and high school, and you just mentioned you know you had you know you had a high school experience with it. Luckily, they got to them in time, but this can be incredibly tragic. Yeah, and and more specifically, what I was told, and this was not based on last night. I'm gonna I'm gonna be clear that this is not based on last night. This is two months ago that I was working on this story about how prepared stadiums are for a situation like this, and what I was told is that the 
you know, certainly emergency room is a perfect place of, in terms of all the equipment and everything else, but that an NFL stadium on a game day is better staffed in terms of multiple, you know, multiple cardiologists, multiple orthopedics, more, multiple internal medicine people, multiple, they have dentists, they have, you know, uh, eye doctors, they have all of those things on staff. The sta- there's a staff of over 30 people, over 30 doctors and medical technicians, x-ray technicians, all those people, more than 30 people at an NFL stadium on any given game day. And that's a better staffing per patient, obviously, uh, than you would get at any emergency room in America. So, again, you don't want it to happen. That Nobody's saying, nobody's saying, hey, it's good, good thing it happened. No. But the preparation is there, and it hopefully, as we're still waiting for the outcome, hopefully – was the difference in somebody, you know, keep being able to stay alive. When is your story about Allegiant Stadium coming out? Uh, hour, hour or two? Good. Looking forward to it. Wednesdays, it's the Kevin Kruger Radio Show at 5 p.m. on Raider Nation Radio 920 a.m. Stillman. It's right at the dot. Several players fishing for it. Played to the corner and time expires. The Golden Knights win 3-2. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. VGK, that was a good one. We'll break it down in just a little bit. Uh, seeing some news and notes about the Bills and the Bengals. Again, we told you about five minutes into the show, league not considering having the game restart this week. Uh, also on the bottom line on the one channel we're watching, league says it never considered restarting the game Monday. I don't think that's accurate, but we'll get to that with Miles Simmons, our football insider from Pro Football Talk. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield. We'll get back to some of the uh, Demar Hamlin stuff and you know the uh, the outpouring of a lot of emotions, a lot of emotions, and one media member just getting crushed, but also got 115 million views for a tweet. So we'll get to uh, Skipper. A little later on. But about 10 minutes ago, we were playing some highlights from Stiddy. That was a hell of a story that unfolded. And maybe this makes me a terrible person, but I, with the Jarrett Stidham story, I, I think it's arm in arm with the Derek Carr story. And one of my first thoughts was, oh boy, Camp Carr sitting at home, they happy about this right now? And maybe I'm a terrible person for thinking that. And then David Carr goes on NFL Network and just does this crazy, rambling, nonsensical defense of his brother, which I think some people would say, well, I mean, it's his brother. Well, then he shouldn't be on TV. Right. Like, take some time. Take some time. But on Stidham himself, good game. Good game. There were some mistakes there. Unfortunately, the, you know, the final interception where he has Bosa, basically, what was that, Colton Miller on the left side? Yeah. You know, blast Colton Miller right back into him. The power of, uh, of Nick Bosa to alter the pass. Pass pops in the air. That sucked. The tip pass interception, that's that sucked. But Stidham showed some signs that he can be a quarterback in the NFL. I don't know if that means he's a backup or a starter. It gives some food for thought. We can talk about that and the future. Where were you? Uh, what do you think of Stidham's performance? Did you find some warts in there? We're like, hey, pump the brakes because a lot of people are like, hey, he's the guy. He can be the bridge. Well, no he, need for TB12. I think he showed the. <laughs> that's, uh, I, I think he showed his grasp of the system. For sure, uh, he met, he he understood what the reads were, where they were, where they were going to be, uh, what the defenses was trying to the defense was trying to do, um, all those things. And I think it showed 
Um, if you want to say the difference in somebody that's been in the system for four years and somebody that's been in it for four months, yeah, I think that you could say that that absolutely absolutely happened. Uh, he absolutely made some plays with his legs, with either between running the ball or just getting outside the pocket to make a throw. Um, I saw definitely people that are very much camp car oriented said that's a clear sign that you know Josh McDaniel sabotaged Carr by not giving him those play calls. Oh boy! But I think you would say oh he boy. just didn't think he could do them. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't trust him to be able to do those. <laughs> That's why he wasn't calling them. Yeah, the car stands, or I don't know what nickname you threw out on WFN the, Car- the other night. Kardashians? The Kardashians? Come on, man. You're trying to force your own viewing oh. habits into a like silly it. nickname. It, it's, yeah, it's the car stands. Oh, that's, a good, that's a good name. The Kardashians? By the way, that was a really good interview on Derek Carr that you did. Well, I'm gonna. We'll have to. We'll have to pull that apart a little bit. That was about three, four days it, ago. When you, when somebody asked me to come on, in, you know, in the middle of the night, that's my prime time. Yeah, ready, you're, ready you were coming. It was like twelve thirty our time, and sure. you went on in New York. And I, I thought, um, I thought Danielle McCartan's questions were pretty illuminating because I think she represents the opinion of a lot of people outside the market who don't know the full car story at all. Um, here's David Carr. He he goes on NFL said, Network. Said a lot of the same things I did, right? Uh, no, it was it was much different. <laughs> okay. We chopped this up a little bit. And listen, I'm not shocked that he did it. I don't think he's equipped right now. Emotionally, to be talking about his brother. Can I say th- two things before? Yeah. One, uh, David Carr promoted this before the Raiders 49ers game, and I think that he believed he was going to have like eight minutes to just look at look at look what they got themselves into. Look what they have, and was planning on just really trashing the Raiders because they fell apart and they didn't. So that changed things. And I think NFL Network is like, you got ninety seconds, just do what you're going to do. But the other thing is. How and this is something I think I learned from you a long time ago. How little did they trust David Carr that they played loud music behind him as he was talking? Derek Carr has he has said for a long time that I'm only going to play for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Raiders or no one else. So that's loyalty. So he was fully invested. Six head coaches. Khalil Mack gets traded. Mari Cooper shipped off. John Gruden gets fired midseason. He's going through all this turmoil, right? He never called out a coach. Never called out the organization. Never called out the top brass in the organization. Never said anything. Okay, I don't think that's accurate about never calling people out. Well, I, I think there's a way to call people out that's subtle, and I also think there's back channels to call people out. Sure, uh, absolutely. And he said never call it a coach, the organization, or higher ups in the organization. He didn't mention players. Was that on purpose? Because Derek definitely called out players. Explain the back channels. Well, you can. I mean, you can. You you can have. You know your agent speak to people and, you know, give them information and have them publish it without directly being involved in it. And you can go up on stage and you can go on the podium and say, you know, my teammates aren't, you know, not all my teammates are fully invested and then not say who it is and then have your agent leak to people who it is. Like you could do that. I'm not saying he did. I'm saying you could he do did. that if you wanted to. He did. Uh, so you, there and are the back, ways. And the back channel stuff was used a lot. Sure. And there yeah. was something every season. Yeah. Always. It's always something. And at some point, as an employer, you start to lose faith. You're not winning, and you're like, these shenanigans are getting old. I, I mean, I think any, any employer in any profession would say the same thing. He was trying to bring people in. He tried to bring in his best friend, which he was successful at, Devontae Adams. That trade was dead. The Packers and the Raiders weren't going to trade, right? Mm. They got on the phone and made it happen. So he's bringing people in the entire time. Is he appreciated for that? No. 
is he appreciated for helping bring in Devonta Adams? No. Is that is that story entirely true? I wonder what Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels would say on the record. Would they go as far as what David Carr said that the deal was dead and Derek saved it? Derek uh, put it together. I don't think they is would. that factual. I mean, I think that there was definitely he was definitely involved in the talks, but they make it sound like it never would have happened. I don't know that that's true. Again, probably not the person to be speaking objectively on this story with Derek Carr. David Carr is doing what he should be doing as a brother. He's not doing what he should be doing as a network TV analyst. Every year, I've talked about Derek. Oh, he's going to be replaced. Oh, someone's going to bring him in, right? They got to trade. They got to do this. They got to do that. All he did was go out and be the all-time leading passer in the history of the Raiders. So when I look at this, all right, it wasn't Derek that changed, right? It was the Raiders that changed. Hmm. It wasn't Derek that changed. It's the Raiders that changed. Yeah, they changed their mind. They have new management. They were making up their mind this year. They've come to a conclusion, and I think some people will say Mark Davis changed his mind this year. I think he changed his mind a while ago. Me too. On Derek Carr. Yeah, so do I. I. I think Mark Davis has been wanting to explore different directions for a long I mean, look, the story is out there. Mark Davis wanted Tom Brady. Tom Brady wanted Vegas. Mark Davis wanted Tom Brady. John Gruden stopped it. Mark Davis had moved on at that point. I think that's a sneaky way to suggest that Mark Davis hasn't changed and that these guys have changed, that, that uh, McDaniels and Ziegler have sure. changed him. But that would be, that would be fine it's if this, you... This new, this new management, they've turned their back on, on my brother and... Come on. That'd be fine if you hadn't, before the season, gone all in on how Josh McDaniels is the smartest offensive coach anywhere and it's a perfect hire and your brother is ready to take off and thrive. Like, those things still exist on the internet. You when you're them. not genuine all the time, it comes back to bite you. When you say what you think you should say, instead of how you really feel, which at the time it was probably a little bit of angst, a little bit of doubt, a little bit of nervousness, especially coming out of the contract extension, that was not an extension. It was a one-year deal. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, I mean, that was bad. David when, Carr going on, that was rambling, uh, not to take personal shots, but it... it 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 didn't sound like someone who how old is David Carr now forty two something like that like forty right exactly. I mean it, it did right didn't it it kind of sounded like like someone very young going up on social media and, and again, again he if would, given I, if yeah, given the airtime he should he should be doing this yeah. he shouldn't he should recuse himself or just have the ne- so one of the producers should have been like hey man like we'll have other people talk about I thought this. it was weird too when he's he's speaking about Derek Carr like just say your brother. Yeah. We know you're not we're, you're not going to be completely objective and you're giving part of his story. Right, you're weird you're stuff, man. Weird stuff. And I still think the fact that the Raiders fought and fought and fought almost came up with a glorious win, up and down game and the fact that Derek Carr wasn't on the sideline to root on the rest of his teammates, I I just don't know how the rest of the league looks at that and goes, "Yeah, that's okay." Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. That was a good win last night. Entertaining game. Darren Millard is with us. We're talking about VGK over the Avs. Darren, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. What's new? And happy New Year, Steve. You 
you've been ducking me the last couple of shows. I know, right? I know. Adam, are you yep. here? Yes, I'm here. There he is. There he is. Adam's, Adam's always here. Adam's like my safety net. Adam's uh, there for me when I'm high, when I'm down, oh, oh, picking oh. me up. He's he's good. He's 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 but not not high. high. Yeah, I got you. Like yeah. when I'm when I'm when I'm riding high, when I'm feeling you go. good. You, he usually, can chop you down, and then he lifts you up when you're down. Okay, we get it. Usually that would be true, but I I was having headphone trouble, so I was not there for you right then. Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. What do you what are you what are you what are you up to today? Uh, I am walking back in the City National Arena where I'm going to do the BGK Insider Show from nice. Studio 31. I was uh, in the office earlier uh, doing some work for the Thursday game against the Pittsburgh Penguins and uh, taping a couple of interviews for Pride Night. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a uh, casual but uh, but heavy day. Sounds like a very easy day. Another easy day in the life of Darren Millard, as usual. Well, we didn't get in until like two thirty last night, uh, so from from Denver because uh, there was a storm that rolled in, so we were a little bit late getting out of the Mile High City. And you guys know I'm Canadian. I'm from the middle of Canada, the prairies, as we call it. Uh, I grew up like basically in the coldest place on the planet. You think that I would romanticize seeing snow again? <laughs> Not in the slightest. I don't need to see that crap again for the rest of my life. Smart man. Uh, yeah. Wait, what town What town was it? Uh, Brandon. Brandon. Oh, Brandon's not like the complete prairie, but how many How many Tim Hortons are in Brandon? Oh, uh, I think last count we had five. <laughs> okay, see? It's a, it's a big city. Yeah, it was, it was a big thing when we got our first one. Not going to lie to you. It was right up there when we got our first McDonald's. There's like four on the same corner in Red Deer. That's one of my favorite towns in Canada. Yeah, you know, I, I'm with you. It's uh, it's a very popular uh, chain. I, uh, there's not enough drive-through coffee places here. <laughs> that's, okay. that's one thing I, I I noticed. Like I need my drive-through. There, I mean, you're joking, right? There's two two point seven million coffee places that you have a drive-through. Right, not in my neighborhood. Okay, you got to move. That's clear. Clearly, okay. Uh, I've got a Duncan that's uh, that's not drive drive throughable, and it drives me nuts. Like no pun intended. I'll I'll, I'll text you some better locations that you can go. Thank you. Because <laughs> you're there for me. You're there for me. <laughs> always there. there. I'm always there. Uh, the Golden Knights won on the road and played great again. This this is this team is. I I was gonna say baffling. They're not. They're easy to figure out. They're great on the road. Yeah, uh, they're they're great on the road, but uh, they did snap their longest uh, road winless streak last night, which was two going into it. They had a loss and a tie, or an uh, overtime loss, a uh, shootout loss before that. But but I will I, I will side with you on on one uh, aspect. This team has figured it out in the last five games, last couple before the uh, Christmas break, and then coming out of it, uh, they're playing way way more consistent in their own zone. And that's limiting opportunities. And uh, the, the scoring, the goals is is coming, and they're getting some massive production out of that uh, a new look top line of Stevenson, Stone, and uh, Mario. But they're defending. Like they they gave up a goal early last night, and then there was a push by the Avalanche in the third period. But in between, guys, they they weren't on their heels very much. The same goes for the for the two previous games. The Nashville, I know uh, Philip Forsberg was on fire, but outside of him, there wasn't a lot of chances that they gave up. I've been really impressed with uh, the the progress that they've made. Uh, yeah, for sure. And uh, Nick Watt, elite goal scorer, too. Well, just how much it can happen in the blink of an eye. And uh, we were talking in the office today, 
with a couple of people and a couple of people uh, uh, up uh, higher in the organization than me. And they were lamenting how quickly it can change with goal scores. And it doesn't matter whether you're a 500 goal scorer or somebody that's earlier in their career, like Nick Waugh, if you go a while without producing, you uh, fall into a situation where it affects your game. And uh, the, the example was Keegan Colasar. When he scored the other night, uh, instantly his all-around game was better. And last night you saw it with, with Nick Waugh. The emotion in the second goal, I don't know whether you guys saw it, and, and then I know, Adam, that, uh, that you're around the room uh, a little bit more than, than Steve, like Nick Waugh is not an expressive guy. <laughs> no. And and Nick Waugh turned into Mark Stone on that second goal. <laughs> like it, there was there was some real emotion coming out and that that two goal performance means a whole lot to to that young man. Uh you mentioned Keegan Colsar getting the uh, kind of inspired by the goal goal he scored. That little uh, back tap pass, that was that was like low key filthy. I like that. Well, he was two-thirds of the way to a Gory Howe hat-trick, <laughs> and he did the hard part in a pretty good scrap. But, and then you, you fit in not just a, a second assist where you're 200 feet from the eventual puck, but that was depth. That was vision. And, and then that goes to what we talked about with confidence. And isn't it funny how, how Carrier was the, the guy that was on the big roll so much earlier in the year, and uh, the other two weren't scoring as much, and now it's Waugh and, and Kolasar who have chipped in the secondary scoring. And if they don't get that, like if, let, let's look back to uh, the L.A. game, to the Anaheim game, where you don't get those goals or a contribution from that third line. Carrier wants it to be called a fourth line because he wants to be the best fourth line in hockey. But you don't get those goals from, from them. You don't win hockey games. Yeah. Last night, they don't win that hockey game w- without that uh, that support. This is the voice of Darren Millard, of course. Good friend of the show. You can see him on the Golden Knights broadcast, on the radio, like just all over the place. Uh, you can't get away from Darren Millard even if you want to. Yeah, but I'm not broadcaster of the year, thanks to Steve. Steve bailed on me in that, too. Oh. I did let you down. I apologize. Yeah, 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 just another example where Steve and I are having trouble connecting. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to a big 2023. I think we're going to... We're gonna seal this. We're gonna seal this. I, I'm. I might, Darren. I might know who won. And I. I think it's oh! very. I might. It's a very deserving award for the person that won. Uh, I. I treated the Golden Knights fans, Darren, to uh, to writing two stories this week about the Knights. Yep. Um, I did want to talk about well, not to not to promote my story, but I did want to talk about uh, the conversation that I had and you were over there with uh, with Logan Thompson. I thought it was yeah. very very interesting about his decision to. At least for now, hopefully, hopefully for a while, uh, get rid of the social media on his phone because it is not—it's not a good environment. Look, I live on Twitter twenty-four hours a day. I love it. I think it's amazing. But if I was a goaltender, especially a young goaltender in the league, and seeing all the comments and people getting in your head when it's that mental, I don't think I can handle it. I don't think he was handling it well. This seems to be a good decision. Absolutely, and uh, and it was a great story. I was with you when you were talking to Logan Thompson and then you and I had an extended conversation afterwards. And, uh, I was, uh, waiting for that, uh, that piece to come out. And, uh, and I thought it was, uh, it was well done and, and very tactfully, uh, uh, written with, uh, with all the necessary details. And, and I agree with you. It's, it's difficult for, uh, athletes who have that part uh, in them to want to see what's going on. 
And some athletes are great at, at just blocking out the world. You've, you've heard them forever, uh, back before social media, when it was the newspaper. We don't read the newspaper. We don't listen to the radio. Uh, and some of them were actually telling the truth. Uh, Lo- Logan Thompson likes social media, but it, uh, it is uh, influential on him. And he realized that over the holidays in his conversation with his agent and, uh, and some family members. And uh, for their support, uh, he decided to distance himself from it. And I think it's a really smart decision. It's uh, one that just eliminates a voice or a distraction and uh, eliminates the need to use energy on something that's not productive. And uh, I, I, I commend him for it. And I truly do hope uh, that, that he uh, stays off. Now, it's going to be hard. Like, there's going to be big highs and big successes in, in this young man's career where you're going to want to see what everybody's like. It's very natural. You want to see what everybody's saying uh, in, in a good situation. And if you put yourself in that position, you're going to be there when, when people say some unfortunate things, and it, it, can, it can suck you in. Uh, but I think we've seen uh, last night is a great example of he's not worried, uh, and I can't speak for him, but if he's not on social media, he's not sitting there thinking uh, about what's going to be said or what is being said. Uh, he's just playing his game. And, and he, last night, and I told him this, uh, was as impressive mentally in that game, allowing a goal 25 seconds in and winning that hockey game uh, as he was physically in, in pushing back uh, against the Colorado Avalanche. I was proud of him last night, and I'm proud of him for, for shutting down the social media. If I, if, and then I fall into it, too. Like I, You check your mentions. I check my mentions. Uh, it's not a fun thing some days, and uh, I can't imagine when you're, uh, when you're a professional athlete how, how it goes. Darren Millard's with us. Um, serious note here. We only got like 90 seconds. I apologize for that. But story of the day, obviously, is the uh, the tragic events yeah. we saw unfold on TV last yeah. night with DeMar Hamlin of the Bills. The NHL went through this some, uh, almost 25 years ago now with Chris Pronger, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very similar uh, to the Chris Pronger. Now, the National Hockey League's had a couple. Rich Peverly, uh, uh, Uri Fisher, uh, uh, Jay Bo Meister. But the Pronger one was really similar because the puck hit him in the chest. He took a couple of steps, and then he uh, fell down. I actually sent Pronger a text today uh, text today, and said, uh, your phone must be blowing up because it is similar. And uh, I think that, uh, that uh, there's, uh, there's a great uh, uh, comparison there, and I think it's encouraging. I, I don't know what the prognosis is. I know the condition is still critical. But when you directly compare it to Chris Pronger, he played after that. And, and that's, that's my hope for this young man, that everything works out fine. Uh, first and foremost, life-wise, but, uh, but he's obviously a football player. I hope he can get back to it. Darren, good job. Have fun on your show today. Uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, I'm just uh, holding up for the 2023 award. Well, I, I, just appre- I just appreciate that you said such great things about my story. That's very nice. It was a great, it was a great story, <laughs> and Ashley, Ashley and I had a big conversation about it oh, wow. uh, as, as we both read it. So, uh uh, congratulations on it. I think, I think it was marvelous reporting, a really solid reporting by you, Adam. And I mean that sincerely. Thanks, man. Thanks, Darren. See you, guys. There he is. Darren Millard. Uh, giveaway time, 364-1100, Caller 7 and 8. We've got the silver and black after party going down after the final home game of the season. Chiefs in town. The game's on Saturday, 4.30 to 7.30. Crazy Horse 3, Crazy Horse 3, Crazy Horse 3. We'll get you in as a VIP. 
You can party with Fox Sports Radio. They'll be on the scene. Caller 7 and 8, VIP treatment for you and friends. Some libations as well. Ari's going to hook you up. 364-1100.